It is time to order your copy of The Discipline of Now, 12 Practical Principles to Overcome Procrastination, written by Eric M. Twiggs. By reading Eric's book, you will receive a proven roadmap and blueprint to beat procrastination so you can make more money, get more done, and become aligned with your divine purpose. To order your copy, visit www.thedisciplineofnow.com. Welcome to the 30-Minute Hour. It's the weekly podcast where we discuss business, sports, politics, and whatever's on our mind. Okay. I'm your host, Eric Twiggs, your procrastination prevention partner. I'm also the author of The Discipline of Now, 12 Practical Principles to Overcome Procrastination. Joining me, as always, is my partner in crime. He's the business strategist extraordinaire, the super CEO, and all-around good guy, Ted Fells. Ted. Good evening, all. Good evening. All right. And you see, we, we've got our guest for the week. We're going to introduce him here shortly. Uh, before we do that, please know, and you'll find this out as you get into the episode, that this is not your everyday podcast. You can... Join us here, right here on the Facebook Live page. You can also go to the 30minutehour.net and get a hold of all of our previous episodes, all of our audio downloads. You can even see our YouTube videos. But Ted, it's it's been an interesting week. What, what, what do you what are you seeing from this week, Ted? Man, just a lot of a lot of uh, protests marches, not just across the U.S., but worldwide, man. It's something to, to see how everyone is coming together for some change. So it's a it's a good thing. It's starting a lot of conversation, a lot of discussions that probably should have happened a long time ago. So uh, I, think it's a, I think it's a great thing. It's a great thing. Yeah, I think, I mean, it's interesting you're seeing the diversity. I mean, just 50 states, 18 countries, uh, just around the world people uniting around the cause. So I think that's one of the positive things that we're seeing. Uh, so yeah, I, I think it's a, it's a good thing. And I know we've got quite a few people watching us uh, live right now. Make sure that you take the time to type into the comment section, say hello, throw a question out there, and we'll be responding back and forth with you uh, as we move forward here. But Ted, I've got something that's on my mind. Do you? I know, it's shocking, <laughs> surprising. Yeah. Yeah, but I got something that's on my mind. Aren't you gonna ask me what I have on my mind? What's on your mind, Eric? Ah, good question, good question. All right, <laughs> then this really relates to our guest that we're about to introduce you in, in just a second. You'll see when you see his background and all the things he's doing. But I wanna talk to you about the butterfly rule. Mm. That's right. The butterfly rule. Okay. So, you know, I was watching the final episode of The Last Dance like the 17th time, right? <laughs> I, I just got finished watching that. It was over. So I started surfing the channels. I was looking at, you know, we're on lockdown still, believe it or not. Yeah. So I was in the house surfing channels and I stumbled across the entertainment network. Okay. Network, right? And they were showing an interview from 1998 with this actress. Her name is Helen Hunt. Mm. So she just won this Academy Award for her role in this movie, As Good As It Gets. So, so during the interview, the reporter asked her an interesting question. He said, Helen, you just won the Oscar. How will you decide on your next film project? Mm. Here's what she said. I will choose the project that scares me the most. And I thought that was strange. I mean, why would this successful actress at the top of her game seek out something that scares her? And then it hit me. It's because she lives by the butterfly rule. Here, here, here's where we're going. So you, you have to do the thing that scares you because growth takes place on the other side of your butterflies. Hmm. Okay. That's right. 
That's right. That, that's where the growth happens. When you get on the other side of your butterflies and you won't reach your full potential until you do whatever you're afraid of. Mm. Right. And, and I've just learned this over the years myself when I'm feeling butterflies, that that's a signal of something that's critical to my success that I need to do. Mm. Whatever I'm about to do, and I start really feeling those butterflies. That's a sign that I need to do something. And, I, and when I get on the other side of it, I'm going to be much better. Mm. So for our followers that are logging on and watching us, the question I have for you is, what is it that scares you the most? Mm. You know, and we have this segment on the other show where we say, I don't know who needs to hear this, but right. you know, so in the spirit of that, I'm, I'm going to apply that to the rest of this because we're talking about, you know, what do you have butterflies over? What scares you? What's keeping you from moving forward? So, so here we go. I don't know who needs to hear this, but asking your boss for that pay raise is critical to your success. Yeah. You got to get on the other side of that thing. You yeah. got to do it. I don't know. Again, I don't know who needs to hear this, but doing your weekly Facebook live video, that thing is critical to your success. You want to mm. grow your business. You want to take things to the next level, increase your visibility. I don't know who needs to hear this, but jumping on stage during that open mic night is critical mm. to your success. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think our guests can probably relate to that. Yeah. You, yeah. you have to jump up there and you have to do it. Yeah. And consistently doing the thing that scares you will position you to maximize your potential. And that's as good as it gets. Hmm. Wow. That's it. That's my thought for the week. That's my rant. So it's all about the, the all about the butterfly rule, huh? Butterfly rule. You okay. gotta get on the other side. That, that's the signal that that's something you really need to do. Yeah. And, and when you do that thing, you, you really feel better about yourself and your situation. Okay. There's no growth in comfort. There is no growth in comfort. Exactly. Mm. Exactly. I, I think this, this is the perfect time, Ted. We need to bring our yeah. guest on. Because I, I know I know that he has overcome the butterflies. And oh, I'm sure. <laughs> I'm sure he's all about he's all about achievement, Eric. And, and you all are gonna find that out real soon. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. About achievement, Eric. So if you just look at his bio, you ever go to his website, like he spent his entire life doing that thing that scares him the most. Mm-hmm. And I'm looking forward to talking to him about that. So he's a native of Sacramento, California. He's been performing since he was a child. He's been singing, dancing, acting from the time he could walk. He gravitated to the stage, winning numerous talent competitions and landing leading roles in plays and in musicals. It was clear from the first time that he picked up the mic that he was destined to be in the spotlight. Mm. With a range of talents and a gift for comedic timing, uh, he's the ultimate entertainer. Uh, songwriting became his passion at an early age, at the age of 11, and he's been writing songs ever since. Get this, Ted. At 16, hmm. he was signed to MCA as part of a singing group named Adagio. Oh. And he left that group two years later to go to Morgan State where he studied electrical engineering. Wow. He can be seen every Wednesday night using his comedic and vocal talents at the Five Seasons, where he is the host and founder of Warm Wednesdays. And he's also available to host a range of shows from talk radio to television, R&B, neo-soul concerts, the spoken word, and even hip hop battles, and it's <laughs> <laughs> a lot. Yeah, that's a lot. And, and I'm even gonna—I like him so much. I'm even gonna read this next part. Oh my goodness! <laughs> He's a proud member. Oh, come Kappa on! Alpha Psi fraternity. Come on, yo, yo, come on, come on with my frat brother, yo. Yes. Please join me in welcoming to the Thirty Minute Hour Podcast, Walter. Jones. Walter Ooh. Maxfield. Jones. Walter Maxfield Jones. Yeah. Let me get it right. Let me include the middle name. 
Get it right. Get it right. When your oh, when man. your when, when your frat brothers come on here, Eric, you get their name right. You say their <laughs> whole name, Junior the third. When my frat brother come on here, get it right. Get say his name again. Get it right, please. Come on. I see how this is gonna go. Come on. Walter Maxfield Jones. Yes, yes, yes. There you go. There you go. Yeah. We're going to yeah. change the name of this podcast from the 30-minute hour to the Kappa Hour, I see. There you go. There you go. You got my back. bad idea. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, Walter, it's an honor and, and a privilege to have you on our show. Thank you. Um, I mean, you've done a lot of things. I, I'm just curious. Do you still get butterflies? I mean, you, you hop up there on stages and you do all these different things. Do you feel the butterflies? Um, depends. It depends on the event. Uh, Warm Wednesdays. I actually, I need to update my website. I, sh I shut down Warm Wednesdays a few years ago, just doing a weekly open mic for 17 plus years mm. kind of wears on you. Uh -huh. um, but I just felt like it was time for me to give myself butterflies again, mm. if that makes sense. And that's why people ask me, why did I stop it? I was like, I wasn't getting those butterflies, you know, mm. um, being on stage for me uh, now is just as comfortable as sitting on my couch. Um, but when I first started it, I started it because I was songwriting and I wanted to test whether or not I was actually a good songwriter. So I was like, well, how am I going to test it? Let me start an open mic. And, you know, if the audience applauds, then it's a good song. If they don't, <laughs> then I suck. <laughs> so so the, uh, that'll definitely give you some butterflies. And it grew into the longest, largest running weekly open mic poetry venue in the country. Mm. Uh, but for the first, probably first four years, every Wednesday, every time I got on stage, knees shaking, butterflies in my stomach, voice quivering. And uh, the more that I hosted the show, um, pretty soon it became, it, it felt like home. And I felt more at home on stage in front of that audience in front of what I we used to call the Warm Wednesdays family. Uh, I felt more on stage in front of them than I did usually on in a one-on-one -on -one conversation with somebody. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I continue to challenge myself because um, I don't ever want to feel like I'm stagnant. If you're not growing, you're dying. Yes. You know, at the moment you're not growing, the moment you're not challenging yourself, that's when you start to feel old. That's when you start to feel like, okay, uh, I'm just going to stay right here in my comfort zone and you know, but you have to continue to push always yeah. because that's what keeps you excited. We talked, uh, Ted talked about achievement in every field of human endeavor, right? You should know about that. Think, think about, think about <laughs> when, think about when you feel good about yourself. Yeah. When you feel good about yourself, people say, oh, when I'm on vacation, I'm just chilling on the beach. That when you feel good, that's, I mean, that's nice life. That's not the life you really want. Right. You feel the most masculine you feel the the best of, or the most feminine whatever you know your gender is you feel the best about yourself when you just accomplish something mm. when you do something that you didn't think you could pull off when you did when you do something you didn't think you could do that's mm. when you feel the best about yourself so you still got to continue to find those things that you're nervous about that you have butterflies about and try to make those accomplishments happen and that's what's going to keep your self-esteem up mm. yeah that's awesome yeah, I, I agree 100%. So, so let's let's kind of start from the beginning. So okay. was there a specific moment where you, was there a specific incident where you said, you know what, I can do this. I'm good at this entertainment thing. I, I can really do this. Oh, wow. Uh, probably somewhere between five and seven years old. Uh -huh. You know, started out with church plays, got the lead role in the church play. <laughs> you know and uh that's kind of how it started you know talent shows um my i came from the family that you know whenever there was thanksgiving or christmas the kids had to perform at some mm. point throughout the night yeah you know what i mean like oh yeah after dinner after, as soon as the game was over whatever if you were if you were under 15 you had to perform if you couldn't sing you had to dance if you couldn't dance you better tell a joke if you couldn't do any of it, you better be a you better be in the background doing some moves. You better do something. <laughs> you better join somebody else's team, but you better get up and perform. Yeah. And uh, so that's kind of how I grew up. I, I remember I would 
I would drop tickets and charge my mom and my grandmother and my <laughs> sister and my stepfather like $3 to sit on the couch because we're doing a show tonight at seven o'clock. Show right. got to be over by 830 because my bedtime is nine. But <laughs> <laughs> but there's going to be a show and I'm going to make some money off the show, you know. I, and I don't know, I don't know where that came from. I always felt like if you do something well, never do it for free. Even at that age, I'm like, I'm charging you three dollars <laughs> to come to the living room tonight. So, so, so Eric, so Eric, just know that if you go to any of Walt's events, you know, don't be saying, hey, 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 can you get Walt to come out front? Because Walt gonna charge you if he charges family, he charges you. <laughs> all, all, all noobs get in free to any any of my events. I'm gonna. Well, I'm I'm oh, did I hear you correctly? Did he say all cues get in free? Is that what I heard? Cues <laughs> that... pay, oh, pay, 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 pay twice as much. pay twice as much. You pay double. Oh man, this is rough. This is rough. So say that again. because I, I, I don't want to walk past that. So you, you say if you do something well, don't do it for free. Yeah. If you do something well, never do it for free. Interesting. How'd you come up with that? Where, where did that originate from? Um, honestly, I probably saw it on some movie or something and adopted it. You know, it was, uh, didn't grow up with a father in the house. And so I took things from movies and television and the streets <laughs> and just said, okay, I'm going to apply that to my life. Okay, that's what a man does. I'm going to apply that. That's what, you know, and I just took, tried to take as much good, uh, you know, push away the bad and then add my own twist to it. Okay. You know, so, you know, so, you know, it's interesting. Walt said, uh, well, I don't know, no, Walt probably maybe close to 20 years. And I think I don't know, last year, Walter said something to me to just really just ring for me, man. We was talking about, uh, I was like, man, Walt, you do all this different stuff, man. And then you just started breaking it down for me. <laughs> Walt, you know, you remember that conversation? When you was talking about everything that you do and everything, how you've been able to to bring all these different aspects in your life into to being able to monetize it. We were having that conversation. Yeah, uh, it's, it's, I I wanted to find a way to, um, you know, people say don't don't combine work and play, and I don't believe that. I believe, you know, find something that you enjoy doing, uh, turn it into a business. And that way, work and play is the same. You get paid for doing something that you love, so it doesn't feel like work. Hmm. Um, like I said, when I was songwriting, I was like, okay, how can I test my songs and get paid to do it? Start the open mic. Uh, when I learned how to ski, I was like, wow, this is expensive. <laughs> <laughs> it cost me 1500 bucks before I even got onto the slopes. Like, you get the ski equipment and the jacket and the, the boots and the goggles. <laughs> I was like, man. I was like, okay. And, and I got out there and there was only like maybe two or three black people on the mountain, but I had a great time. So I was like, you know what? I'm gonna start throwing ski trips. You know, by two years in, we got six, 700 people going on a ski trip. And so every time I go skiing, you know, of course I got some business partners and other promoters involved. Every time I go skiing, I come back with a couple grand in my pocket as opposed to paying a couple grand to go skiing. So it's just a matter of like, if there's something that you really enjoy doing, uh, you know, turn it into a business. And, um, you know, you also have to understand that you have to head out and do it alone. You have to be passionate. You have to be so passionate that other people see the value in it. If you say, hey, let's go do this, nobody's going to go with you. You know, it wasn't when I started, same thing with snowboarding. When I started snowboarding, I was like, oh, I want to snowboard. Nobody, you know, black people are like that's it's a white boy sport. I'm not snowboarding. That's cold. I'm gonna right. go to an island. I had to go. I probably went snowboarding by myself for the first two years and was just posting pictures of me snowboarding, posting, uh, you know, video footage of me busting my tail coming down the mountain. And um, by the end of that two years, I probably had about a crew of 10 people that were going snowboarding with me. And then we started traveling all over the world snowboarding. We got sponsored by a snowboarding company, Volcom. And, yeah. <laughs> so, so, but understand whatever venture you start, you're gonna have to start it alone because people, people join the bandwagon because they don't want to be left behind. 
but that means you got to run out there first. Yeah, and, and it's hard to get people excited about your idea if you're not excited about it, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> right. Yeah. So, so I think that, and that's a, it sounds like it's common sense, but I, I think that's a key thing that gets missed when, when people mm -hmm. start ventures. So, so, yeah. so you, when you were 16, you, you got signed to MCA as part of that singing group. Yeah. So, so talk, how did that come about? What's the backstory about how you got discovered? Um, I was doing, you know, all the talent shows, the, the you know, singing at the state fair. <laughs> you know, back then I was like, uh, and um, I went to a, a performing arts, a performing arts high school. Grant, shout out to Grant Paces for Life, Sacramento, California. Um, and there was a, you know, it was, you know, we did plays like Sparkle and Raisin in the Sun and Fame, and it was, that was the type of high school it was. And uh, there, so you had singing groups within the high school. You had girls that were singing and dancing and guys. There was a singing group. Um, I forgot what their name was when I, before I joined it, but it was four of them. And uh, one of them pulled me and was like, yo, you should be in our singing group. And uh, I was like, all right, let's see what happens. And I joined the singing group and I came up with the name Adagio. And uh, they were, you know, I was more of a background singer. I wasn't the lead. I was. I was like, choir boy, I just came in and hit the high falsetto at the end. <laughs> but they had like my boy Stevie, he had a, um, man, he could, he could, he had the voice like Stevie Wonder. He could hit almost any note. The other lead singer, William, he sounded more like a Dave Hollister, you know, just like, yeah. just had that, that sultry, rich voice, yeah. um, you know, and the rest of us pretty much sang background, except for like I said, when I come in and hit the high, high falsetto towards the end. And uh, we got signed from doing a talent show. Uh, the the leader, the lead singer of uh, Club Nouveau. I don't know if you guys remember Rumors. That mm, song. Yeah. yeah, he was at the talent show and he was signed to MC at the time. And he was like, yo, I want to sign you guys. And wow. that's how it happened. Wow. So if you could go back in time, you know, with the knowledge you have now, mm -hmm. what advice would you give to yourself from back in those days? I'd have told myself to start selling stocks way back then. <laughs> start buying and trading stocks. You know, back then, I'd have told myself to, to buy into Bluetooth and Amazon. <laughs> you know, yeah. um, but, you know, there's the, I, I have so many, you know, things that I li live by. I would definitely tell myself to read more books. Um, but uh, take care of yourself first. You know, as, as business owners, Ted, you may be able to relate to this. Uh, you know, you wake up and the first thing you're thinking about is business. Like, what do I got to do? I got to get this done. I got And you take care of business more than you take care of yourself. You know, recently I've discovered, like, I need to wake up earlier, take care of myself, whether that's meditation, drink my water, get my exercise in, get my run in, get my workout on. Because it doesn't matter how successful I am or how much money I make. If I'm not healthy, it's not going to matter. And I need to take care of myself before I take care of business. So I take two hours, you know, before I even turn on my laptop, I try not to look at my phone too much. But I take the first hour to two hours of the day just to take care of myself. Like I said, you know, drink water, meditate, stretch, work out, all that type of stuff. Go for a walk, get my mind right for the day before I start handling business. And yeah, oh, and second, uh, when you do open up your emails, instead of opening up your email to respond to everyone, the first thing I do is send out everything that I want everybody else to do first. Because mm. what I want is more important than mm. what you, what I want you to do is more important than what you want me to do. So, <laughs> I, so, so I just send out everything before I, I don't care what email they sent me, I don't even read it. I just send them, just send out whatever I want them to do. It's funny, they, they respond to you so much more, so so differently when they stop asking you to do stuff. So, yeah, wow. that's what I myself. So, so is that more about starting the day on offense versus reacting to? Yes, definitely. Yeah. 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 Getting, putting it in your head, today's going to be a great day no matter what. Mm -hmm. You know, and, and uh, you know, there's no such... No such thing as a bad day. Certain days are more difficult than the others, but there's no such thing as a bad day. You know what? I was Ted. Ted changed my life one day. 
he doesn't even know he did it. Uh oh. Well, was, well, send me some of that. Send me some of that money off them stocks. Let me give you my cash out. If, <laughs> if, if I made that type of difference in your life, <laughs> hey, bro. Hey, the the amount of discounts I've given you over the years, bro, you got that money back. Uh, but one day I was struggling. I, you know, my IT company was struggling. I was going through it, going through a rough patch. And uh, I called Ted, probably trying to get some business out of him. And uh, it was like eight o'clock at night. And I was like, Ted, what you doing, man? I need to talk to you. He's like, man, I'm in the office. It was like eight, eight thirty maybe. I was like, man, I'm in the office. I said, what are you doing in the office? It's eight thirty. He's like, he's like, what do you think I'm doing? I'm working. I was like, man, Ted, you work harder than anybody I know. He's like, man, I don't work hard. He's like, I'm in the office. I got a flat screen TV. I'm wearing a suit. <laughs> it's air conditioned. <laughs> yeah. He was like, I don't work hard. He said, people that, you know, picked cotton worked hard. People that yeah. scrub floors and, yeah. you know, clean bathrooms, they work hard. He said, well, we don't work hard. It might be time consuming. Yeah. But it ain't hard. Yeah, that's real talk. Yeah. After that, he was like, and I'm working for myself. Yeah. How am I going to complain about working hard for myself? It's just yeah. work. Well, it ain't hard. It's just work. Yeah. yeah. And since that day, Ted, I swear wow. to God, anybody tell me, like, well, you work hard. I'm like, I don't work hard. That's true. That's right. That's it. That's it. You'd be surprised how something that, you know, might be meaningless to you, maybe, you know, that you just said haphazardly in a casual conversation yeah. can change somebody. You got to always be aware of what you say when you say it. You no, know, and I think that's key because yeah. it's very easy to get into these pity parties, right? Mm -hmm. You try to get this account, business may not be going, but you always have to maintain that perspective. I mean, mm -hmm. there are people that would trade places with you in a heartbeat. And it, yeah. Yeah. In a minute. Yeah. yeah. I tell yeah. Ted, I think I told Ted at one one time, because he said something to me, and I'm not going to talk about that subject. But, <laughs> but I was like, I said, Ted, people wish they had my problems. <laughs> <laughs> if, I, if I complain, it sounds like I'm bragging. <laughs> <laughs> oh. No, but, but it's all in your perspective. <laughs> it so, is. You know, you mentioned we were talking about you getting discovered, and I was just mm -hmm. curious, like, what advice do you have? We have people that are watching us right now. It could okay. be they're in the entertainment field, maybe they're mm -hmm. in business. They're trying mm -hmm. to get discovered. Right. So, what advice do you have for that person that's looking to get discovered? Don't try to get discovered. Mm -hmm. Hone your craft. Be the best at. Be the best you can be at what you do. If you're if you're good, if you're good for long enough, eventually people will take notice. Mm. And in today's day and age, I would say create content. And it's not about one or two. You have to be consistent. If you're going to create some content, if you're a singer, you need to be posting something, you know, every Monday at two o'clock, you're posting a new song, a new cover, your original, whatever it may be. It's about consistency over time. Mm. And yeah. that's, that's anything you do. If yeah. you want, if you want consistent results, you got to put in consistent effort. Yeah. Good. Great advice. Yeah. Great advice. So, so you were in the group, and mm -hmm. then after two years, you went to Morgan State, yeah. and you decided to go into electrical engineering. Mm -hmm. So, talk about that. I mean, it seemed like you you had this arts flow going, and then all I'm of a sudden sorry. you pivoted to electrical engineering. How did that happen? Well. I'm I'm always, a, I'm, I've always been an artist at heart, mm -hmm. um, but I've also, you, you'd be surprised. A lot of artists are very mathematically inclined. Uh -huh. So, you know, growing up, I was kind of like a math prodigy. I was always about six grades ahead of myself in math mm -hmm. um, to the point where by the time I graduated from my last couple of years of high school, they didn't even offer the math that I want. I went to Morehouse going into my senior year to take math classes. Mm -hmm. So um, I didn't grow up in a great environment. The school that I went to was probably the second ranked, the second worst high school in all of California. We had the highest teenage pregnancy rate in the nation. One out of every four students carried a gun. We had undercover cops posing as students. You know, yeah. it was, it was, it was, you know, a little, 
a little bit like lean on me type of environment. <laughs> you know? Wow. Uh, but I loved it. You know, it was, that's that's my high school. And um, uh, one of the one of the counselors, one of the teachers, the science teacher, Miss Hale, she was a hippie. She said, Walter, the, the best, the easiest way for you to get out of here and get a full scholarship anywhere is electrical engineering. She's like, if you're a, a young black male with electrical, you know, and you're planning to go into electrical engineering, you'll get a full scholarship almost anywhere. All you got to do is get a, be a, have a above a 3.5 and, you know, have a 1200 SAT. And I was like, only 1200? She was like, this school is so bad. Getting a 1200 here is like getting a 1600 anywhere else. She said, and because of our ranking, the universities will see that. I said, okay. So that was the goal. And I pretty much had, you know, scholarships anywhere I wanted to go in the country. So, so talk about, I mean, we, we know about the singing and the songwriting. But so talk about how have you parlayed your electrical engineering skills? Okay. Um, well, like when I started out electrical engineering after I left school, I was building databases for the state of Maryland. Uh, my current business partner with my IT company, with my recruiting firm, uh, he was recruiting while I was building databases. And he was like, Walter, you ain't gonna make no money working for the government. <laughs> he was like, you gotta go private, baby. <laughs> Ted knows that's how he talks too. <laughs> you gotta go private, baby. You can't make no money. So, so, uh, you know, uh, when I was building databases for the for the state, at the time they weren't bringing on anybody as full time employees. Everybody was contractors, and people kept quitting because they weren't giving benefits. Every time mm. somebody quit, they gave me their job. So I started out building databases. Next thing I know, I'm letting RFPs, I'm reviewing RFPs, I'm monitoring programs. So by the time I went private, they were like, "What can you do?" I was like, "I can run a program. I can write an RFP." And so I got hired as a recruiter. By the end of that year, being a recruiter, I ended up being a business developer because I, I knew how to walk the hallways. I knew how to land proposals. Found out that the black company that I was working for was grossly underpaying me. <laughs> Went to work for a white company that paid me triple what I was making. Uh, then uh, their infrastructure got a little jealous of my success because I was the token, but I was outperforming the the uh, CEO's and the president's son and his son-in-law. Mm-hmm. So uh, they let me go for that. And <laughs> I started, I was like, you know what? I'm gonna start my own thing because I'm smarter than these people. And uh, I definitely give a big shout out to Kwame Brown because Kwame Brown took me underneath his wing uh, when he was working for the Maryland DC Minority Supplier Development Council. I was vice president of business development there. That was like getting a master's degree in business just working with Kwame. And that set me up to start my own company. So, and Ted, we have to ask this question with Walter. You know, you're doing a lot. Mm-hmm. You know, with your company, with the, the comedy, with yeah. the writing the songs and everything you're doing. Mm-hmm. Kind of walk us through your typical day. Like, what time do you wake <laughs> up? What, we we got to know this. I mean, people, you know, people are like, I don't have time. No. I want... I want to do stand up, but I don't have time. So can, can you kind of walk us through your? Oh, this is gonna this is gonna be good. What, what, yeah. what day? What day is? It? <laughs> you know, it, every day is a little bit different. But um, a typical day, I'm up at five. Uh, I probably run or walk for an hour. Uh, load up on some coffee by uh, six o'clock. Um, hundred push ups, fifty pull ups, hundred jump squats. Go through my normal boxing workout uh by 6 30 i'm showered lap two three lap i have three laptops i'm working off of three laptops uh and then i crank out about four or five hours of work 12 o'clock i might eat no actually i don't even eat at 12 o'clock 12 o'clock i go for a walk rest my eyes because usually my eyes are burning around that time go for a walk re-energize, come back around one, work and eat at the same time till about five or six, uh, take another 15 minute break, work till about eight, um, spend some time with people that I care about <laughs> and go to sleep. Uh, or sometimes I'm up to 
Sound your audio going out. The other companies, uh, you know, I'll probably be on, you know, Zoom calls or conference calls till about 10, 1030. Um, I might take a nap for 20 minutes <laughs> <laughs> and then uh, work on like um, whatever creative stuff that I have to do as well. Um, look at the market, see what's going on overnight, see what I need to wake up and, and you know, invest in as far as what stocks I'm going to trade the next morning. Uh, and then, yeah, you know, maybe 12, 1 o'clock, start all over again, be back up at 5. I try to get to sleep by 1030, but that doesn't usually work. <laughs> wow. So, so, Ted, I mean, the, the trend continues. You know, it's not like, hey, I wake up at noon and eat, eat a bag of potato chips. <laughs> no, no but, but, Walter, but Walter sounds really like, like about three people, though. Right, like it was like it was like it was like three different things going on. He said three laptops. It's really like three different Walters is working at the same yeah. time. Cause he yeah. cause he said something about he go to bed, he tried to get in bed by 10, but then he really finished around one. But he get up at five. It was a lot going on. Yeah. And this is the first time we, we asked this question just about every guest. And this is the first time I think somebody has almost taken us almost almost through 24 hours of a work of a day. Yeah, that's that's my day. You know, if if um if one of my fighters gives me a call, you know, that hour for lunch or that hour break that I take around five o'clock, instead of taking that break for myself, I'll use that hour to two hours to train a fighter. Um, you know, it's just, I make time for the things that I feel are important. And uh, usually if I'm making time for somebody, I'm neglecting something. So I, it's very important for me to let people know that you know, if I'm if I'm spending time with you, I'm neglecting something else. <laughs> you know, I've I've had to learn to say no a lot more. You know, yeah. and that's probably if I you said, you know, what would I tell my younger self? Say no. Mm. Say no a lot yeah. more. Yeah. Mm. You know, definitely say no. So, so so you mentioned the training of fighters, which is mm. something else. <laughs> That's what I'm trying to tell you. When you peel the onion back, it's about it's, it's, it's about it's about ten walks doing stuff. What you listen? So so let, let's get into that. What, what what type of fighting are you training them in? How did that? How did you get into that? Um, right around when my wife passed away, uh, I gained weight. I gained about thirty pounds, mm -hmm. and I, you know, once I got back into a mental space, I was like, okay, I got to get back in shape. And I tried to start playing basketball again. I couldn't dunk with that 30 pounds on me. I couldn't get up. I was barely touching the net. And uh, I didn't like going to the gym. I just felt like that was narcissistic. I'm like around a whole bunch of other dudes. They're in the mirror lifting weights. I didn't do, didn't do it for me. I'm, I'm a competitive person. I need some type of sport or competition. And I saw a sign that said boxing down the street. I go into the gym. And it's a pro gym, like Sean Bay Mitchell's in there, Chop Chop Corley's in there, Darnell Dingling Man Wilson is in there. It's like just uh, William Joppy, like all these pros that I'm seeing on HBO is in this gym. I was like, oh, I've always wanted to be a boxer. Uh, within three months, I probably lost 30 pounds. Uh, by the end of the year, I was like, I want to get in there in the ring with him and see what I can do. And so I started... You know, the next four years, I probably spent, you know, three to four hours a day in the gym, just became a gym rat. I just wanted to be the best at it. I ended up being a sparring partner for several of them. So I was actually in the ring sparring with world champions. And they thought they thought I was a pro. And I was like, no, nah, I don't even have an amateur fight yet. So when I did have an amateur fight, you know, knocked the guy out, you know, TKO pretty quickly. So my first couple of amateur fights was TKO. I was going to go pro. I ended up getting cast for a movie and I decided to do movies instead of boxing, but I couldn't let go of the sport. So I decided to coach. <laughs> so at that point, um, since I could never let go of the sport because boxing is addictive, uh, when I started gaining weight again, a little bit later around 35, uh, <clears throat> I went into a gym and they were like, you know, membership's $100 a month. I was like, $100? I'm not paying to be a member. I was like, you know, is this, a, I was like, I think it was, uh, it was Columbia Boxing in LA. LA Boxing in Columbia is what it was. 
And I was like, do you guys need boxing coaches? And they were like, can you fight? I was like, yeah, I could fight. And they were like, they looked at me like, this guy probably can't fight. I said, who's the best guy you got here? <laughs> they pointed at some black dude in the corner and he was like a three, four time golden gloves champion. So let's glove up. And by the end of three rounds, they were like, you are a new trainer. <laughs> <laughs> and so they paid me to go to the gym. Like I said, I'm not, I'm going to, if you do something, I'm not going to pay to go to your gym. You're going to pay me to work out. So now I can work out for free. All I got to do is one hour, teach one class a week and I get the gym seven days a week for free. Makes sense. Hey, it goes back to what you said. If you do something well, you might as well get paid for it, right? Yeah, exactly. Hmm. So, yeah, might as well get paid to work out instead of paying somebody to work out. So I know for myself, you know, I have martial arts background and I would we fight in tournaments. I mm -hmm. found that that helped with the butterflies thing. And that really, exactly. that helped for me to, because it's the same before I was going on stage and before I get into a tournament, it's the same feeling. Mm -hmm. And, so, and it, it, I find it, I'm curious to hear your thoughts on that. Before you go on stage, do you shadow box? <laughs> I've never done that, but no. Yeah, I, I, I do a couple, you know, quick moves before I go on stage, bounce up and down, get myself hyped, get, you know, get that energy level up. Yeah. But, you know, whatever sport you play um, or whatever you do athletically, you know, it, it, it can be applied to aspects of life. Yeah. You know, if, if you're boxing, um, or whether you're snowboarding or whatever it may be, you can always apply certain things in life. You know, definitely has to do with controlling your fear and anxiety because you got to get in that ring and perform. Right. You know, and it doesn't matter what that other person is bringing to the table. You got to stay in your pocket, if that makes sense. You know, jab, there's strategies to it. You, how, you, how you read people's body language, everything applies. You know, so with boxing, I definitely apply boxing. I'm mad I can't think of an analogy at this point. Right now, I can only think about snowboarding for some reason. And with snowboarding, when I'm going through trees, right, <clears throat> if you look at the tree, you're going to hit it. Yeah. You know, I don't yeah. know if you ski, same thing. <laughs> if you're going backcountry and you look at the tree, you're going to hit it. Instead of looking at, instead of looking at what you don't want to hit, you got to look at the path between the trees. Mm. You gotta look about three turns ahead. And um, if you apply that to life, it's the same thing. If you keep focusing on the obstacles, mm. you're running into obstacles. Mm. Don't focus on the obstacle, focus on the solution. Focus on the path that you want to be on and be tunnel vision in that path in order to get to where you want to go. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, there's so many applications to business and in life. Right. Um, when you do boxing, martial arts, yeah. and boxing, some of those boxing sports. might be. Uh, Get knocked down seven, get up eight. <laughs> you know that how that's how it goes in business, baby. Yeah, oh man, you're right. You're right. I'm gonna keep, keep getting back up. Right. Yeah. You know? Right. Absolutely. That's the truth. That's the truth. You know the the difference is, you know your bounce back. Mm. You know, um, you know when you get knocked down, whether it's you know in life or in boxing, the first time you get knocked down, you kind of lay there. Mm. You know. You're like, all right, man, I can't believe I got knocked down. Oh. And, and then you get back up. But, you know, eventually with time, you get knocked down, you bounce right back up. And it's the same thing with business because you've been there. You know, yeah. it's like, I, I know what it is to get back up. Yeah. You know, I'm not going to sit there and, and wallow in it. Yeah. You know, the, you can't, if you sit there and wallow in it, you're just wasting time and energy. Get up. Like, as soon as you hit, like, all right, let me get back up, you know. And so you know, it's the same thing. And it's even, you know, keeping your head when you get hit hard. Sometimes mm -hmm. you, you get hit harder than you thought you would. And right. you still have to keep your head and, and not lose your game plan. I think the same thing applies in business. So, mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah, yeah definitely. Um, yeah. I, I, I just thought of a boxing analogy. That <laughs> so mad. So mad that it escaped me. But, yeah, it's the same thing. You got to keep your head in it. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. So, I mean, back to the, the arts, I mean, when you, if you had to choose, somebody said, you know, you can only do one of these things. You can sing, you can write songs, you can dance, you can mm -hmm. act, or you can do your stand-up comedy. Which one would you pick? Like, which one do you consider to be your first love? Comedy would probably be my first love. Interesting. Um, 
but that that has changed over the course. Of, I mean, it, it, my passions have changed as I've gotten older. You know, what you consider fun changes as you get older. You know, mm-hmm. some certain things you've been there and done that. I remember, uh, I think my first love was comedy. You know, first time I saw, first time I saw Richard Pryor, Eddie Murphy, I was like, oh, I want to do that. Um, first time I saw Sugar Ray Leonard, Muhammad Ali, ah, oh, I want to do that. <laughs> you know, when, when you when you're a kid, you remember when you're a kid, like every day your your goal chain, like, what do you want to be today? I want to be a doctor. The next day, what do you want to be? I want to be a fireman. <laughs> you know, you. You lose that enthusiasm for life. People tell you that you can't so much and that you have to pick one so much that that energy and that enthusiasm leaves you because you really yeah. get, you start believing everybody when they say you can't do things. Yeah. You know, so for me, it was it's always been a matter of what level of expertise am I going to get? Am I going to get myself to in mm. this art form? Or what, what level do I need to reach in this sport for me to be satisfied with it before I move on? You know, for music, it was, I want to get signed. I want to hear something that I wrote on the radio. You know, for, for, for acting was, I want to leave something behind. I want to make sure I did a movie that got distributed worldwide. You know, so I've, every time I hit, I hit those milestones, I said, okay. And I continue to do the things that I love, but then at that point, I'm like, okay, I hit my milestone. What's my next challenge? Okay. So, so what if you could just have the magic wand and say, hey, you know what, my this is going to work out exactly the way I want it. What does your ideal future look like? If you know, I I don't even know at this point. You know, if you'd have asked me that ten years ago, I'd have been like, uh action, adventure, you know, comedy, actor, you know, like Jamie Foxx, Will Smith type, that would have been, you know, that would have been it. Um, You know, uh, if you'd have asked me before that, it would have been, you know, I I wanted to be the go-to guy, anybody, any major singer that wanted a hit song, I wanted to be that go-to guy. So it's changed throughout the years. Now, you know, now, I hate to say now my focus is just money, <laughs> but it's about now it's about what legacy am I going to leave behind? I have godchildren and, and, and uh, people that depend upon me in life. And it's just a matter of how much of effect am I going to have on their life? You know, can they say I wouldn't be successful unless uncle Walt, showed me about how to trade stocks. I wouldn't be successful if Walt didn't support me in my dream. So now it's just more about legacy and being able to live uh, without having to work. I, I'm always going to work. I can't imagine retiring. Um, yeah. and, that's, and I say that because recently I was reading about Warren Buffett and how he still wakes up at like five, six o'clock in the morning and goes to work. This guy has billions. He never has, nobody in his family will ever have to work again. And he still wakes up and goes to work. So I was like, you know, what does retirement look like? I was like, retirement is just basically, I don't have to work. I'm working because I love it. I'm working because I want to do it. Bam. And I just thought of that boxing analogy that I wanted to tell you. <laughs> so the boxing analogy is, you, you, you're a fighter. You said you've done martial arts. Yes. You know that first time you get hit hard. <laughs> Eric, 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 Eric doesn't know that. Eric doesn't get hit, Eric. Tell him you don't get hit, Eric. No, I oh. got hit. I got to keep it real with you. Everybody's got hit. Everybody's got hit. The first, the, the first time you get hit really hard. Yeah. And, you know, you're, you're wobbly. You can't feel your feet. And there's, there's a panic that almost goes through you. I shouldn't say almost. There's a panic that goes through you. Because <laughs> right. yeah. you like... I don't want to be knocked out in front of nobody. I don't want to, I don't want nobody to have to wake me up. Right. right? <laughs> and, but you survive the round or whatever. And you think to yourself, you have a choice at that point. You're going to either fight to survive or you want to fight to win. Or you like, I'm going to get this person back. They're going to, I'm going to, I'm going to make them feel what they made me feel times two, you know? <laughs> and uh, that's, that's life. If you're mm. fighting to survive, you're never going to win. Mm. If you're fighting just to get by, 
you're never going to win. You got to fight to win. When you get knocked down, when you get hit hard, you got to you got to dig deep, bite down on that mouthpiece and be like, I'm coming back. I'm going to not only am I going to come back, I'm going to come back and make you pay. You know, you can teach you could teach a, a, a fighter how to box, but you can't teach a boxer how to fight. Mm-hmm. Either you got that dog in you or you don't. You, mm-hmm. Either you are a fight or flight type person. And when you get hit hard that first time, you find out what type of man you are. Mm-hmm. Everybody want to fight until they get hit in the mouth. Right. <laughs> right. Yeah, I mean, and I always, you know, people ask me certain questions. I ask them, look, are you playing to win or are you playing not to lose? Right. And if you're playing not to lose, you'll never win. Right. Right. Exactly. Yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah. Everybody, everybody's not made out of that, though, right? Like, yeah. no. I tell people sometimes, you know, and they talk about, you know, all the time people say they want to start their own business. And I'm like, I said, do you want your own, do you want your own business or do you want, or do you want to make a lot of money? <laughs> you, you can make a lot of money working for someone, you want your own business. Do you want to deal with when you put everything you got into a proposal and you don't win? When you've taken that client out to about 50 meals and he didn't gain 20 pounds off of your meal <laughs> and you don't get one cent, you know you what I'm saying? You told me that, Ted. You was like, yeah. you, want, you, want to, you want to start your own business or you want to make a lot of money? Yeah, yeah, it's not the same thing. It's not the same thing, man. Boy. Every day, every day, somebody tells me they want to start a business. No, you I'm don't. Like, that's that's like somebody telling you they want to pledge. You'd be like, no, you don't. You don't. Really <laughs> you're you don't you're not really about this life. No, you're really not about it, man. You don't want to pledge. Uh-uh. But you know, the funny thing about this conversation, though, Eric, a couple times you've tried to kind of get Walter to kind of pick. And no matter how you went, he still was like, I want to do it all. I'm, yeah. I'm, why I got to pick? Why I got to pick? I want to do it. I want to do it all. And I mean, that's just that. But that's been, I remember when Walter told me years ago, he was he was going into boxing. I'm thinking, dude, like you like you like in your mid 30s, man. I mean, it's going to really hurt. Like it's going to really hurt now when you get hit. Yeah. After, you know, he was training for fights. I was just like. Hey Ted, do you remember me? You remember me showing up to meetings with a black eye and a busted lip? Man, <laughs> hey, this guy here, man, he's built a little. These are built built a little differently. I show up to business meetings. People are like, "What happened? Did you get robbed?" Are you okay? <laughs> oh man, that is too funny, man. I'm like, no, I'm boxing. Why? Why are you <laughs> boxing? You make good money. Why would you do that to yourself? I'm like, hey, oh, man, yeah. I love to do it. I love to do it. It teaches you lessons about life. Teach you, like I said, you'll find out what type of man you are. Definitely will. You know, it's funny. You know, it's funny. One time I knew this one uh, young lady. I won't mention her name, but she used to be in like the IT industry. And mm-hmm. one day, one day I saw her at a conference, and she had a black eye and a, a mouth was busted up. I'm like, man, what happened to you? You know, I do. She said I do martial arts, and I was like, really? I said, well, who did the she said, my father, he's in martial arts. I said, your father whooped you like that? I said, yeah, that's what we have to do. I'm like, my goodness, your father whooped you like that. Yeah. That's serious. It's no joke, brother. It's no joke. Yeah, it's definitely not a game. I mean, you just have to be like cut from a different cloth to consistently get out there and... Slightly crazy. Yeah. So every time I've looked at like martial arts, I always see like the little kids doing it. Mm-hmm. it real cool then. I'm like, man, if I started like four, mm-hmm. yeah, because you know, them little kicks and stuff. I mean, you probably, you know, you snap back and you know, right. we was doing karate and stuff anyway as a little kid. Right. The thought right now, somebody doing a roundhouse kick right now on upside my head right now, I just don't like the way that sounds. That's not fun to hear. <laughs> Now, I tell you, like, one of the big one of the biggest lessons I learned from the martial arts was you can never underestimate anybody. No. Mm-hmm. They're guys that are 140 pounds. You look at them, you're like, oh, <laughs> they will take you apart and not work up a sweat. Right. And, and I mean, they're the nicest, most laid back, most unassuming people you'll ever meet. Mm-hmm. But when they get in the ring, it's when they get in those white lines, it's just something something different. Yeah, they will. 
that 140 pound dude will crawl up your back like a squirrel. <laughs> scurry up your back like a squirrel and take you down. Next thing you know, you were some type of chicken wing hold or something. Don't mess around, bro. Don't mess. You keep, don't underestimate uh, anybody. No. I've been I've been in the um there most I don't look like a fighter. So most time people underestimate me. They're like, I'll go into a gym and they're like, I'm fighting him and I'm older now too. So I still spar every once in a while and I'll move extra slow, take take my time putting on my gloves, you know, <laughs> get in that ring and tear that boy up, tear that young 24, 28 year old boy up. Well, I tell you what. So but there's in the gym, I remember growing when I first started boxing, there was a guy, he must have been like, even our coach, Coach Mooney, he was on the 76 Olympic team. He taught me how to box. You know, you would never think, if you caught this old dude in the back alley, you think he was going to take him. Right. Man. <laughs> Man. That, that old dude, that old dude was so fast, he'll catch you in between the blinks. You never, <laughs> see, you never see the punch coming. You just see his hand on the way back. Like, don't, <laughs> do not. Do not you can't underestimate anybody at right. all. Right. So you don't want to get you don't want to get whooped by the old dude. Because my nah, old dudes, man, you know, they, my they old dudes, man, somebody they... whoop you. <laughs> <laughs> Boy, I told you back, I'm done back in 1972. <laughs> but I tell you what, I mean, it happens all the time though, because I mean they may not have the physicality, but they just all that experience and that mm -hmm. timing. Yeah. Timing. Yep. Timing yeah. and experience. Yeah. And you're like, okay, he's going to hit me with this punch. You know he's going to do it. And he, <laughs> <laughs> I, don't, but, I, I don't know if you guys have ever seen, I know you see that that one video that was going viral for a while. I had this young white guy in there and he was fighting this older white guy. The older white guy, he came in like a sweater. <laughs> <laughs> I saw that. Yeah, he came, yeah, in, I, like I saw a, that. he came in like a sweater. Man, and some orthopedic he, shoes. <laughs> man, man, let me tell you. By the time he finished with that young dude, man, I mean, it was it was not pretty at all. A woman mm -hmm. he absorbed that day. I think the guy was like in his seventies. I think. Yeah, yeah. yeah, I yeah. A sweater didn't work up a sweat, and then just did like this. I'm out. <laughs> yeah, I'm out. Yeah, but I mean, just a lot of life lessons to martial yeah. arts, boxing, all yeah. these sports. You know, they apply mm -hmm. to life, they apply to business. Mm -hmm. So, Walter, how can people best connect with you? Um, my Instagram is what Walt can do. My name is Walter. What Walt can do. My website's what Walt can do. Um, most of my social media is what Walt can do. That's probably the best way to reach me. Facebook, Walter Maxfield Jones. I'm easy to find. Um, what else? ITSA is my, uh, is my IT recruiting firm. And that's, uh, ITSAHDQ.com. Other than that, that's probably, that's, I'm pretty easy to find, man. I'm Googleable. <laughs> if people still Google people, I'm, I'm Googleable. Uh, YouTube, my YouTube is what Walt can do. Like most, mostly, I try to make it simple for people and just do what Walt can do across the board. What Walt can do. Yeah. Fantastic. Okay. So, so now we're gonna go around the horn. This is where we leave that final thought for the people. So, mm. Walter, we'll start with you with that final thought. I want to leave people um, with. Okay, well, my final thought, because we're in this day and age, uh, I don't believe we're in, I don't believe that we're protesting. This is not a protest, this is a rebellion. Hmm. And now that we have the attention, um, let's not lose the momentum until we get everything that we want. Hmm. America only understands money and violence. Hmm. So as, as African-Americans, male, female, children, arm yourselves, exercise your, exercise your Second Amendment right. When we protest, we protest singing and holding hands. When they protest, they walk out for a healthcare protest. They got guns at their healthcare protest. So mm -hmm. it's no, it doesn't make sense for us to be out and be vulnerable and not protect ourselves as well. You can go get yourself a rifle, stop worrying about handguns. You can carry a rifle in public. You can't carry a handgun. Uh, second, money. Support black businesses. Put your money in black-owned banks. I'm not really concerned with voting. I say just buy whoever's in office. Doesn't matter if it's Republican or Democrat. That's how they do it. They write a check. Doesn't matter who gets elected. And we make 
the Republicans and Democrats compete for our dollars. We need to start some type of organization where we pool our money, decide on who we're going to vote for. The check is the check is the deciding factor. The vote is the icing on the cake. And because that's like I said, all they understand is money. If you watch any political movie, somebody's writing a check behind closed doors to get what they want. Violence, money, that's where that's where we're going to get our uh, most effective uh, difference in what we're doing right now. It's not a protest. It's a rebellion. Understand how to fight. You fight by arming yourself and you fight with your dollars. Support black businesses, put your money in black banks, buy your elections. Find a find hundred black men. If you want to buy a local election, a hundred thousand dollars can buy a local election. Find a hundred black men, put up a thousand dollars, find an, pick your agenda and tell the politicians, we're going to donate to your campaign whoever's going to be the most effective uh, at achieving the uh, results that we want. There it is. That's my final slide. All right. Well, Ted, once again, tough act to follow. Yeah, yeah, I'm scared. Very tough act, of, tough act to follow. Uh, I guess the biggest thing out of this conversation for me is the, you know, not focusing on your, your obstacles, focus, uh, focus on the solutions, right? You know, we talked about that at length. And I just think that, you know, too many times I think people think about, you know, what they've gone through, what they're up against. And just instead of thinking about what, you know, what is it going to take to, you know, to, to get to the other side, right? And I just think that that's something, whether it's in business and your professional careers, just in whatever it is, I mean, you can just, you know, you can just talk about stuff, but at the end of the day, you know, you you got you just got to make it happen. So you can't wait for it to happen. You got to make it happen. So I just think that that's something that you know that anyone can and use. And and just in listening to just Walt, uh, not just today because I you know I've known him for years and just you know at first it was kind of like okay man you you acting you know you you boxing. So right now it's like if he's like yeah man I'm. You know, I'm about to be an astronaut. I'm like, okay, so well, I mean, I'm not gonna be surprised because, you know, he just does whatever he wants. He lives life to the fullest. He accomplishes things, and you know, and I, you know, I'm just uh, you know, proud to have him as my my frat brother. He's a, he's a different kind of cat. <laughs> Thank you, Ted. All right. Yeah. So, I, like, I I heard this quote that really applies in a way. It says that it's usually something good that's keeping you from something great. Mm. Right. And I, like I, just, that. I say that to say that I think you have to always be pushing your boundaries, pushing the envelope and, and not just settling for the comfort zone. Mm. You know, you, you have to take risks. You have to put yourself out there. You can't just play. Most people plan not to lose. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, and we've talked about this before, Ted. Like, I think if you hire a coach, and after every conversation, you feel comfortable. You have the wrong coach. Right. <laughs> you know, yeah. and you're yeah, like, I push you. <sighs> you, know, you have the wrong coach. If, but if you feel challenged, if you're like, oh, if, yeah. if you're cursing him under your breath, that's a good sign. Yeah. <laughs> He's right challenging coach. he or she. And, and so I just think it's so important that you're always pushing yourself and pushing your limits and, you know, doing things that, you, that are out of your typical routine. And, and I think Walter, I mean, he's the classic example. When you look at all the things he's doing and he just wakes up, decides he's going to do it and makes it happen. Yeah. Because I'm sure in just about everything that you do, there was someone that told you that you couldn't do that thing. Always. <laughs> Always. But my, high school my, my high school guidance counselor told me to go to community college. <laughs> yeah. Wow. yeah. I was like, I got the highest SAT score in the school. You're going to tell me to go to community college. Yeah. So... Yeah. That's how it works, man. You know, you can't you can't listen to the noise. Listen to yourself. Find, mm -hmm. you know, listen to that voice, that God within you. Listen to that. And uh, because there's always going to be naysayers. Let let that be the fuel to push you. You know, let that let the people telling you that you can't do something make make that the reason why you do it. Mm -hmm. if, if that's if that's what's motivating you. You know what I mean? But find find you watched you talked about the last dance, right? Yeah. Michael Jordan. Anything, hey, good game. Man, I took that personal. <laughs> Anything right. that somebody said to him, right. he took it personal. That was right. the most, you know what I mean? Like, right. So 
but he he understood how what what worked for him to drive him. So yeah. find out find whatever it is that works for you. You know, n- life is ten percent what happens and ninety percent how you respond. Absolutely. All right. Yeah, this has been a fantastic episode of the 30 Minute Hour Podcast. I told, I told, I told, I told, 19 plus 11 equals 30. Bam. <laughs> I, I told you. I told you, Aaron. I told you it's going to be a good show. <laughs> That's how you. y'all think from 30 Minute Podcast. Bam. There you go. There you go. Cover, cover, covers both Kappa and Q right there. Bam. That's right. There you go. There the you go. Is, even the Kappa and Q can agree. Right. Right. Exactly. Exactly. Numbers don't lie. That's right. That's right. That's right. That's right. That's right. That's right. So again, this has been a great episode of the 30 Minute Hour Podcast. You can check out our website. Thank you for joining us. Thank you for what you share. I know you helped quite a few people that are watching us. Mm -hmm. Uh, Go to our website, the 30 minutehour.net. You can check out our past episodes. You can check us out here on the 30 Minute Hour Facebook page. Don't forget, Wednesdays at 6 o'clock, we're coming back at you. The 30 Minute Hour live on lockdown is where we have comedians and it's humorous. We, we present the lighter side of social distancing. And Ted, you know, I, I think we have somebody we may want to talk to about, you know. Yeah, 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 you know. yeah let me. Let me come back and wild out on this. <laughs> I'm trying to, you know, I'm trying to hold myself back on this one. <laughs> I know. Well, I may have to use some safe words and all that good stuff on that. Right. One, so uh... <laughs> I think you'd be a, a, a great addition to the team. I Absolutely. Think so. All right. Well, look, he, look, he can, look, he can sing. He can dance. He can do some acting. I'm sure that's three, four people that we don't have more. <laughs> more <than the> team. <laughs> All right. Now, but this right. has been an amazing episode. We, we certainly want to thank our guests. Uh, and, and we'll be back again on Wednesday at 6 o'clock. Until mm-hmm. next time, have a great one.